And we're back. And, and we're back. Indeed. After uh, an uh, unintended three-week hiatus. Yes. Yeah, that just kind of happened, didn't it? It did. It sure did. It's okay, though. But life happens sometimes, you know? Yeah, sometimes you go to Montana, and then... Sometimes you spend a week um, teaching middle schoolers about Jesus and pick up colds from them and not be able to podcast because you don't have a voice. Mm-hmm. That'll do it. Voicing is um, an essential part of the whole audio-only podcast thing that we do here. Kind yeah. of. You can't exactly <laughs> pantomime or sign language a podcast. Not exactly. Podcast for deaf people is just like a blog. Pretty much. A (laughs) podcast for the deaf. You can't even hear it. What would that be? KRDL, the Colonel. We're back. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so I went on vacation and didn't probably leave enough instruction. Didn't leave any instruction on how to get into James's computer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that sort of put the damper on that. And then when I got back, Riley was gone, and Nathan and I couldn't think of any content. So we decided to start watching something so we have stuff to talk about. Um, and uh, But now we're here. Mm-hmm. But now we're here. Here we are. And the person who has content is back. Mm-hmm. How... Um, how have we been these last three weeks, boys? It's been a ride. It's mm-hmm. been time. It's been a lot of st- three weeks. It's been three <laughs> weeks since you heard about me. See, that that time I didn't even start that. <laughs> it's well, been. It's an appropriate reference for this. Yeah. I, we, I interrupted uh, you, Riley. I apologize. Yeah. No, that's that's. Uh, I was just making stuff up as I went along. So you had your um, JP two camp. I had my Montana had hiking JP2 trip, camp. and I had a lack of co-hosts. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I forget. Did you have a family reunion in there? I had a weekend that was a family reunion. Yeah. Although it was, that, uh, I don't think we missed any recording during that time. No, that that wouldn't have been a cause to miss recording because it was over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my mom's side of the family got together, and with a little luck and a little hope, uh, we might actually get a couple of my cousins listening to it because they're uh-huh. podcasty people. Spreading the good so, yeah, word. Yeah, we might get a couple new listeners from my cousins. That's that's pretty neat. And <laughs> the good we word. might get a, a couple new listeners from JP2 Camp. Uh-huh. Ooh. And, and I have, as a matter of fact, I have probably already seen them on the analytics. Nice, nice. So, uh, oh. two people that I know of for sure: Dan, Daniel Suda, and Julia Steffel. Shout, Shout out, out to you, guys. you two. Shout out, thank Shout you, out for to you guys for JP Two Service Team. Are very cool. congratulations for being the two. Yeah, you welcome you are, to the two. Are, yeah, and if you haven't been listening to this podcast for long, you might not be familiar with our bit about the two listeners. And uh, no matter how many listeners we will ever have, it will always be two. Mm-hmm. No more, yeah. no less. The two is divisible into numbers larger than two, but mm-hmm. the substance of two remains. As long as you don't think too hard about it mathematically. Don't just think too, too hard. hard. At le- 
think about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we always are. Nathan a, and I are always on board with the puns. I must have been super tired because I had, when I was hiking in Montana in the mountains, I must have been so tired that I just kept dropping puns without trying. <clears throat> and the people I was with were laughing, and I was like, what did I say? Oh, crap. Not this again. <laughs> so it wasn't that you were intentionally making puns. It was just the things that you said could be understood as such. Mm-hmm. Well, because you're pretty good at calling those out. Oh, yes. And I then am. I try to play it off as on purpose, but we all know the truth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's kind of it's kind of fun when that plays out. Laugh at my own expense. Self-deprecating humor. TM. As, as uh, straight white Christian males, that's the only kind of humor we're allowed to have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Can't make fun of anybody else. It's not politically correct. Speaking of straight white Christians, I had a thought while I was at mass this weekend. okay well you see how well okay you can audibly see how we the podcasters have pop filters or protection for our microphones right why don't they have pop filters on church microphones just think about how much less abused our ears would be at mass sometimes it depends on the reading Even like whether it's the lector or the priest or well, the priest is more difficult because they have to wear like a clip-on mic. But with those plosives, to wear a clip-on mic. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, there's uh, two kinds of people who go to read at the ambo. There are those that adjust the microphone to be altogether too close, Mm -hmm. and those that do not adjust and also don't project properly to make it reach the microphone. So you strain your ears to try to understand what they're saying. And then they lean in for one word, and it's a P word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're just, you're just like listening, listening. Uh, Boom! Whoa! Ah! Uh. <laughs> the word of the Lord. What? Oh, right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, It. I mean, at least for choir and stuff, it'd make a lot of sense to have pop filters, like these little mesh things that protect the mm-hmm. microphone from plosives. Imagine miking your choir. <sighs> yeah we don't need that just get more people yeah there you go just have a bigger choir just or have the church put acoustics them in do the, the work. loft where they belong and the acoustics work to their advantage like yep. it was designed to mm-hmm. yeah imagine like doing architecture to like make voices go directions imagine matter and form being important in design hmm imagine hmm Imagine I mean, no, 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 no. you skip you skipped a few steps there. Imagine huh? matter and form being. Right. Oh. Know. Imagine matter and form. Imagine matter and. Imagine, imagine matter. matter. Imagine. Imagine. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell we haven't done this in a bit. Yeah. <laughs> We're busted out all the old jokes. Yep. All the old I mean, gags. The goofs. In I mean, fact. for a time to take a break, it was a it was a kind of a clean. We did seventy episodes, and then we we had a quick break. Mm-hmm. So, we're we're back on our quest for a hundred episodes, ladies and gentlemen. Ooh, triple digits! Woot woot! Which uh, we won't quite be hitting by two years, but mm-hmm. because we have taken several weeks off in there. Yeah, right. between. Involuntary hiatuses, Christmas, people moving to seminary and all that stuff. But slowly but surely, we're chugging along. We should do something for our 100th. That would be just like something neat. Well, we sh- Yeah, we could find something to do. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a special. 
I've got 30 we episodes could to think about our it. very first salt cast. Oh, Ooh. we could oh. make that the salt cast. We need to find something worthy of the salt cast. salt cast. 30 but. weeks? That's a... If something happens... Oh, yeah, I suppose 30 episodes. Never mind. Yeah. So stay tuned for the special bumper that has been around since the first day of the bumpers, but haven't had a reason Honestly, to use it Honestly, I feel yet. like... It's we need to we start. Had a reason to use it is that we have consciously not chosen to use it because mm-hmm. we like talking about things we like talking about and not mm-hmm. talking about things we don't like. Now, the, we, if we got more um, requests to do things, maybe the salt might show up more maybe, often. Maybe it would. And sometimes, honestly, like our less positive, like not negative critiques of films that we've done, but less positive ones are where we have more interesting reasons for why. In the discussion, so yeah, it it actually promotes the, the discussion. Was, yeah, it was one of our more like interesting discursive episodes. So mm-hmm. please, all when of we, you, when we have a discussion beyond, uh, give us recommendations. Yes, yes, please. Suggestions. Um, I would say look through our titles of old episodes to see what we've covered, but that might not. But that doesn't. Most of the time, that anyone. won't help. Unless, Maybe unless the thumbnails. Listened to the episode. Yeah, so just look at the thumbnail. Honestly, send yeah. it in, and if we get a request for something we've already covered, we can redirect you to that episode by name. There you go. I mean, send an email to platingpapers at gmail dot com. Thank you for listening to the now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's all, folks. Yeah, we're just Nobody, doing bleep, bleep, bleep. today. Um. Ouch. I bumped the thing. I was about small to, office. Small office. <laughs> Move your elbow, and you hit the door. Speaking of hitting the door, <laughs> we're the Palladium Papists. I'm James. I'm Nathan. And I'm Riley. So we're going to, well, we're not going to hit the door, but we are going to hit the books in this week's edition of Novel Ideas. Oh. A novel idea. So yes, well, this is the first time out, we might actually be hitting some doors. So oh, oddly, oh. Ap- oddly apt transition. For so good for you, you smacking never, your elbow into the door. Not never. Made, I hope. I hope your I, potential I a, pain is worth it. It's more discomfort than anything. It's <laughs> At least you didn't hit a nerve. That's nasty. When that happens, like that little Sir nerve in just a word of warning. Um, I'm still getting over a cold, and uh, <coughs> the more I talk, Case the more I point. feel the need to cough. So, just bear with that, if you would. Mm-hmm. Would you kindly? Would you kindly listen to this? That's kindly? a different episode. It is a different episode. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about Bioshock to? today. We're not, we're not talking about Bioshock two. We're talking about Keys to the Kingdom. So, Keys to the Kingdom is oh, a doors. seven I get it. seven book fantasy series written by Garth Nix who is a sort of obscure-ish Australian author uh, the series is heck of a name of a, though it is it's a young adult-ish it's, it's slightly mm. younger than young adult it fiction. just doesn't follow a Hunger Games archetype it does not I, I, I would say it's like an 8th grade-ish like style level Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, that really comes out when you read it when you're older. It's like when I read sure. it in sixth grade ish for the first time, I'm like, "Wow, this is pretty neat." 
and I read it again like after high school I'm like this is extremely simplistic in its word choice <laughs> yeah that's just the nature of the beast it is nonetheless a pretty darn good series so I'm going to talk about it so the the story begins with our main character Arthur Penhaligon dying of an asthma attack oh. when oh. a mysterious figure named Mr. Monday hands him this key and Mr. Monday he you know he's in the middle of an asthma attack Arthur is and sort of out of it as a consequence of that but he does overhear Mr. Monday explaining that he is doing that to fulfill an order from some person called the architect and it's the Mr. Monday expects that Arthur is going to die because this asthma attack is pretty severe so that he can just take his key right back and be on his way. But, much to his chagrin, Arthur does not die because the key is a magical, magical artifact and its power, you know, heals him a bit. So he doesn't die and gets better over time. Oh. And mm -hmm. he discovers that this key gives him the ability to enter the capital H house, which is this mysterious, mystical house that is not on Earth, which mm -hmm. we eventually learn is um, in a different dimension entirely and is the center of the universe. Oh. Mm -hmm. So, at the same time, there is a mysterious plague popping up in his hometown and wreaking all sorts of havoc, so he goes into the house to see if he can find a cure because none of the natural means that they've been trying to solve this thing has been doing anything. Oddly mm. topical for ah. pandemic tide. <laughs> uh, upon arriving in the house, we meet a girl named Susie Turquoise Blue, who we later find out is inhabited by one of the seven parts of the will. And the will is this animated living document that the architect left behind when she disappeared the architect is oh. she that is a thing we know so um, this little frog looking thing is literally a frog in the throat of Susie and uh, the frog jumps out and her voice is all better but the frog can also talk and stuff huh this mm -hmm. is an intriguing frog it is an intriguing frog <laughs> so we also meet, over the course of time, the Old One, capital O, capital mm. O, who was imprisoned by the Architect for interfering with the, uh, the secondary realms, of which Earth is one, uh -huh. among others. Got to own the Olds for, you know, me meddling with the, with the... I forgot what you just said. <laughs> the, the secondary the realms. secondary realm. Secondary realm, thank you. Is Turn there a the primary door. realm? Yes, the house. The house? Okay, uh -huh. that's what I figured. The secondary realm is where the regular people live and oh. what they think mm -hmm. is the regular... Earth is one of the many secondary realms. Where, where the plebs be. I see. So all the denizens of the house are immortal and stuff. Mm. Higher beings and such. And such. Um, he begins to discover that the house is very much fallen into disarray without the architect being around, as one might expect. Mm-hmm. And the, all the other guardians of the house, known as the Morrow Days, have fallen prey to each of the seven deadly sins. And there's seven not, days in the week. That's not explicitly stated. 
Mm-hmm. And, and one of them is Monday. One of them is Monday. Okay. Is that like Garfield's arch nemesis? <laughs> well, <Yes. laughs> is Monday's deadly sin sloth? Because that oh. would fit with Garfield even better. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> uh, when did I these think, come out? I think like 2005. So it's plausible that's a they're, reference. They're, they're, they're early 2000s. But <laughs> now we got to work Garfield into the title. <laughs> a stretch, yep. but, you know, headcanon confirmed. So the will tells him that he needs to recover ownership of each section of the house and its corresponding key and its corresponding piece of the will so he has to acquire all those things in order to restore order to the house Mm -hmm. so to claim ownership from Mr. Monday for his part the lower house he needs to complete the first key because he has the minute key and not the hour. So he needs to steal the hour key from Mr. Monday, <coughs> which he mm. does. And he uses that the completed first key to heal Mr. Monday of his sloth and returns to Earth to fix the plague with his new magical, magical key. And once he's done this, the first part of the will uh, becomes Dame Primus. So it's like the the personification of the will as it were mm-hmm. and at midnight on monday so the instant tuesday begins he gets a call from her saying you got to come back to the house right now we need you over here mm-hmm. so he goes back to the house six months have passed in the house and the next tomorrow day grim tuesday has found a loophole in the agreement that forces the the Moro days to give Arthur the pieces of the key and their domains and such. So, so quick, quick question. There are seven yes. books, right? Correct. Does each book cover one individual day as like yes. the main antagonist and cover getting their key, or is it just, or is yep. there? That's okay. That's the gist of it. Okay. <laughs> Easy so, to follow and relate to story structure. Mm-hmm. So Arthur goes down to the far reaches, which is sort of like the foundation of the house almost mm-hmm. and it's a big old cavern and it's kind of like the supply depot of the house and grim tuesday has been recklessly deepening the well of nothing uh, nothing is this raw material that can be shaped into anything hmm. <coughs> because you it is nothing it has the potential to be anything and that's where the house gets all of its stuff from the far reaches produces all of it mm-hmm. and Tuesday's sin is greed, and he wants to get wealthier and wealthier, so he keeps greedily digging this well. And of course, nothing, being nothing, is destructive. It will sort of consumes <coughs> things that it touches and turns them back into nothing. Kind of an antimatter reaction sort of thing? Sort of, but it uh, it's a little different. Okay. We'll, we'll we'll get into why that particular distinction is important later. All right. <coughs> so naturally, greed has its consequences, and continuing to mine out the foundation of the house is threatening its stability. 
Makes sense. So uh. Arthur, on his way down there, gets mistaken for a servant, <coughs> gets dragged into doing manual work. Um, he does that for a while, breaks into a tower to steal a key. This is starting to become a theme. And while they're there, they free this guy called the Mariner, who's the second son of the architect. The Mariner has been forced into guarding the second piece of the will. So as a reward for freeing him, he gives Arthur this whalebone disc that can be used to summon him three times. Once he's used it three times, it's no good. And so Tuesday catches them in the act of trying to steal back the key. So they have a contest to see who could correctly guess the number of molecules on Leonard Nimoy's butt. I was off by three I was off by three they have a contest to see who can create the most original beautiful thing Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. the um, with the second key which is this pair of gauntlets that can be used to shape nothing so Tuesday creates this giant tree made of precious metals you know it's all shiny and fancy and interesting and Arthur makes a xylophone and plays a little melody on it. And the will says, Arthur, you're the winner because you did something original and didn't copy someone else's work. Hmm. Hmm. So he wins the second key as a result of that. And he is also discovering at this point that he's turning into a denizen of the house and thereby losing his humanity. So he asks Dame Primus, having absorbed the second part of the will now, to reverse it, which she does, but it leaves him very weak and he can't really do much. Mm -hmm. So (coughs) after his coma, he gets a request from Drowned Wednesday to meet up. (coughs) And so thus begins book three. Arthur gets uh, swept by a mystical, magical flood back to the house and goes on some random sailing adventures because this is the boat-themed book Mm -hmm. and eventually meets up with Wednesday. And she's all like, yeah, I kind of regret my part in fracturing the will and making this harder for you to, you know, make our lives better and stuff. And also because it turned me into a giant gluttonous leviathan, which is a... The undesirable side effect. That would be the source of mm. some regret. Yeah. Yes. So she wanted to give up her part and just give it back. But the other days were like, nah, we kind of need you to be in, be in on this plan. So they stripped her key of most of its powers. They steal back the third key by doing a sudden death match with a pirate. And As Arthur you becomes do. Gu- guardian of the border sea which is Drowned Wednesday's domain. Obviously, her thing is gluttony. She can't just, can't stop eating everything. Nom, 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 nom. Thus, Mm -hmm. we move to Sir Thursday, book four, and we find out that the first two other days have been assassinated. Drowned Wednesday kind of naturally dies as a part of releasing her part of the key. Mm -hmm. And the first two days that we have beaten so far have been killed. So we figure something is afoot. Arthur gets uh, drafted to go fight Nam, <laughs> which is uh, the great maze in Sir Thursday's domain. They're having uh-huh. a war against this guy called the Piper, 
who's another one of the sons of the architect. People they won't pay him, pay so him. he's all mad. <laughs> 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 we both went to the same joke. That's and the the piper is someone who also likes messing with the secondary realms a bit. So mm. he'll go in and steal children from there, bring them to the house, and they are known as the children of the piper. Sure. And one of one of um, Arthur's best friends, Leaf, is one of those children of the piper. But Leaf isn't super important to the plot, so we haven't oh. mentioned her so far. She's just kind of there. Hmm. So, yeah, we go, we get drafted, and on back on Earth, there's this magical clone of Arthur called the Skinless Boy, who is once again doing an epidemic in his hometown. Ah. Mm. Because we have to have a conflict as to why Arthur doesn't really want to stay in the house for all that long. He's got to go resolve sure. problems on Earth all the time. Can't have him just sticking around the house. So they do. A, they do a plan <coughs> to distract Sir Thursday by making him mad because he's the wrath guy. And they get the fourth part of the will to escape, and they grab it and they beat up Sir Arthur, and then he becomes the guardian of the great maze. Mm-hmm. So now on Friday, Lady Friday is chilling on Earth, pretending to be a doctor like you do. Mm-hmm. And instead of actually healing people, she is kidnapping thousands of them and drinking, audible air quotes, them to experience Uh their emotions because denizens of the house are immortal, unchanging things that don't have emotions. This is your PG-rated lust? This is your PG-rated lust. Got it. So Friday kind of doesn't care about ruling her part of the house or making sure that it is... You know, doing okay at all. So she sends a message to Arthur and Saturday and the Piper and says, you guys can have it. Hash it out. I mean, let's face it, most of us on Friday are just about ready to (laughs) hang up the towel anyway. Yep. Most people go drinking on Friday. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And PG-rated lust. PG-rated lust. Is that going to be the episode? <laughs> <laughs> Garfield Mondays and PG rated lust. There we go. <laughs> oh, here we go. Anyway, mm. they all get in a big old fight, and Arthur's helping Friday's troops to defeat Saturday because they all still kind of want to defend their home and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they get him to the fifth part, which opens this crazy void when they touch it. Because they, um, Friday rigged it, so he uses all of his keys to close up the void. So, so she tricked. So her giving up was a trick, more or less. Hmm. She wanted to slurp up Arthur, ah, uh-huh. and Saturday and anyone else she could get. Like so he goes do. back to Earth, stops Friday from causing another disaster, and. Woo-hoo. Probably another epidemic. I mean, let's be real. Yeah. So <laughs> now we come to Saturday, and the uh, National Army of presumably Australia is getting fed up with Arthur's hometown, <laughs> so they're going to nuke it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is an Avengers level threat. We can't deal with this thing anymore. We're just going to blow this place up so we don't have to deal with it. I understand the council has made a decision, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Given that it's a super dumb decision, I've elected to ignore it. 
Nick Fury's an Australian. Let's let's start this. Let's get this reboot going. So, now that he has five keys, he's got some magical powers. So he stops time to re- prevent them from nuking Earth. And since he's got roughly three fifths of the keys, he's three fifths immortal. So just being present on Earth causes wackiness because mm. immortal beings don't really belong in the secondary realms. So Saturday is presently planning to invade Sunday's realm to take over the whole rest of the house. And huh. he's building up this giant tower of, yeah, it's just a tower that all of his people can climb up because the um, the gardens on which Sunday's domain rest, it's sitting on this layer of trees, which are constantly growing, of course. Mm-hmm. So he has to build this giant tower to catch up. So Arthur gets dragged into building that for a time and the old one is starting to grow in power has killed his jailers and won't answer any of Arthur's questions when he goes to try to figure out what's going on Dame Primus is also starting to go a little crazy having Mm. absorbed five parts of the will already Saturday is destroying all of the lower parts of the house to get rid of the nothing that is too like coerce nothing to eat at the roots of the tree so he can catch up and he gets in a big fight with Arthur and get Arthur gets slapped across the head and the book is over cliffhanger oh so on Sunday Arthur wakes up and is falling 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 through this kind of extremely tall building down through the the lower parts of the house and so he Mm -hmm. uses the improbable stair a magical staircase that has been used a couple other times but not Mm -hmm. in plot relevant ways (laughs) that takes you to any random place he's like that's perfect i just need to be anywhere not here right now so he uses that and goes back to earth to try to you know help out with the nuclear strike aftermath and whatnot goes back to the house and is meets this young boy and strikes up a friendship and surprise it's actually Lord Sunday so uh-huh. he imprisons Arthur takes away all of his keys and he doesn't really have any way to do anything but Arthur has enough power innately to imbue power into a toy elephant who goes and retrieves his his, his keys and then he escapes gets into mm-hmm. a conflict with Sunday <coughs> and the battle progresses it moves to the the location of the final piece of the will that he hasn't gotten yet which is an apple in a golden cage the mariner is summoned for his last time and sacrifices his life to open the cage that Arthur can get it he g- claims the final piece of the will and now that the will is fully complete it traps Sunday so Arthur can retrieve the seventh key and the last piece of the will being in place, the old one, is also absorbed. The house is destroyed, and the rest of the universe along with it. Hmm. There you so go. So Arthur, Arthur is chilling there with the will, and the will explains that the architect got bored of living, but also couldn't stop living without destroying all of creation. So she split herself up into the parts of the will, 
to pass on the power of being the architect to someone who is worthy of it, <coughs> which is Arthur. Whoever could assemble all of the keys would be given the power to become the new architect. Mm -hmm. So Arthur does that and says, you know, I kind of like things the way they were. So I recreate the universe as it was, but can't recreate my mom. And recreates all of his friends and skips off happily into the void. And there the series ends. I see. Mm -hmm. So there's got to be quite a bit of symbolism and allegory going on here. Well, yes, obviously. By the way, it seems like Saturday was Envy and Sunday's probably Pride. That's correct. Okay. That's the vibe I was getting. Just so that we have them all labeled now. So, yeah. So, give me your guys' initial thoughts and reactions. It's, uh... Hmm. I'm sure it'd make a lot more sense having read the books. But, I mean, it's not hard to follow. It's just very, um... There's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot there's going on. There's a lot on. that goes on. And I truncated a tremendous amount of what goes on. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it's, you know, intra-book plots that don't really affect the overall. Hmm. But, uh, yeah. So, some of the cool stuff about this series. It's a very kind of interesting <coughs> thought experiment about several different things. Firstly, <coughs> it's a thought experiment on what a non-triune god would be like. <coughs> no, this isn't explicit by any means, I don't think. Mm -hmm. No. But it's like, you know, <coughs> if I... <coughs> Coughing noises. If God was not in relationship with anything, they would eventually reach a point where existence would just become unbearable yeah you know? it's kind of like in lord of the rings with immortality like the elves get tired of living so they go over the sea like when you have infinity with it like it just, or, or when you have all that time and ability from a human mindset at least you don't you wouldn't know what to do with that from a human mindset, we're created for community because God is a community and we're made in his likeness, mm -hmm. right? And so as right. a thought experiment, making a person, an individual person, God, and going from there, what would that How would the universe like? be oriented if God was oriented some, some like something else? Right. Yeah. And it, it really causes you to wonder, like, was the architect at one point a human? And just ascended in much a similar manner as Arthur did. We don't really know. Yeah, how many times has this cycle is happened? This, is this in just an infinite cycle of new people finding new ways? New people to linking themselves to the on. fire, and is this new neos being chosen to reboot the Matrix? The, the deity powers in whatever arbitrary way they want over the course of time. Who knows? But it's pretty clear that a god who isn't in relationship in a meaningful and infinite way will eventually get bored of life. And that sort of le lends itself to an understanding of why we believe in the Trinity. 
is just God is in relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And the relations within God constitute the persons of the Trinity. They aren't distinct beings. They are all in one substance of the Godhead. But at the same time, <coughs> there are very much real relationships. Mm-hmm. So and so in that relationship, there's perfect satisfaction and perfect, uh, perfect love. Yeah, God is content within God's self. There is no need to create. But because of a superabundance, but because that's where of an creation abundance comes of love, in. that's where creation comes in in the Christian view. Mm-hmm. The creation in the keys to the kingdom comes, you know, almost out of boredom. It's like right. I need to Let's find try something some different. To I f- need to find a way to occupy my time. So, so she became gonna an architect. Do, I'm going to do this thing because it becomes arbitrary. Mm-hmm. And that's a very much something we've been arguing against in the Catholic intellectual tradition since Occam. That mm-hmm. God doesn't do things arbitrarily. <laughs> yeah. His view is that, you know, essentially God is opaque to us. Everything he does must be dictated by his will alone and not by his nature because he would be constrained in that case and not perfectly free. Mm-hmm. Which, when you think about it at face value, is an interesting argument. But when you really dissect it, it comes with a lot of problems, which this book series points out. If c- existence is arbitrary, then why did God What's create the point? it all? What's mm-hmm. why do we exist? What's the point of existing? Yeah. It all seems so meaningless. It's sort of a it's a self defeating sort of proposition. In it's like time. yeah. It's like existence has no meaning if God couldn't even find meaning in it. Yeah. It it's just not it doesn't make any it like yeah, it wouldn't make sense that it doesn't make sense. Because we're able to make sense of things. That's sensible. Keeping up. <laughs> We could, I mean, in theory, you could make sense of things in as much as God has created the world arbitrarily in a particular way, and you are simply noting that particular way. That is set, yeah, because that is God had, he created the world away and makes mm-hmm. it consistently that way. Would that kind of fall in line with sort of a deist point of view where you got right. to sort of set up the universe and was like, okay, that's, do whatever That's you another want. point that I was going to get into with this is that it is kind of a deist model of existence such that God, in this case the architect, could literally fracture herself into pieces and the universe would continue. So mm-hmm. Contrast that with the Christian view that like God, you know, Basically, God, <coughs> God's own substance is not in the world. Mm-hmm. He did not put himself into creation because then he would depend on creation continuing to exist for his own edification. And Which everything would, exists by the will of God. Like if he stopped willing something to exist, it would no longer exist. It would, it would never to exist. exist. Correct. So all that exists is what God wills. Yep. Another interesting thing the series talks about is obviously the effects of sin and the ripple effect of sin in particular. Mm. It doesn't characterize it as this isolated, personal, 
individualistic consequence. You know, <coughs> there's no <coughs> real objective morality in this system. You know, when you're an infinitely powerful being who is not really governed by reason, you simply do whatever you want to do. But when you do evil things, it doesn't just affect you. It mm. has all of these consequences on everyone around you. And we see that in the ways that the various <coughs> Morrow Days are living their lives, you know. Mm -hmm. Grim Tuesday is threatening the stability of the whole house and therefore everyone in it by deepening the well of nothing. Drowned Wednesday is consuming everything, including people and places she cares about because of an insatiable hunger. Sir Thursday is killing a bunch of people. Lady Friday is harming people by her drinking, and the list goes on and on. So yeah, sin is not an isolated thing. Mm -hmm. It's not an interior, solely interior, solely personal thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I suppose from a symbolic standpoint, there's sort of it's sort of a um, a reverse of like the six days of creation. You have like these the seven deadly sins, like the major flaws that these seven days of destruction almost. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, because the house is progressively being destroyed as the book goes on. It is really an undoing of creation. Mm -hmm. it's something it's something falling apart under its own weight because it didn't make sense to begin with well it did make sense it was created according to a design it had a purpose and it was rational but the structures which allowed for its continued existence were being torn out from under it and mm -hmm. that's really what was causing its being destruction. undermined yeah literally under a house divided against itself yep cannot stand and such so what's the significance of the nothing that has the potential to be made into anything uh, that is a very nice segue because i was just about to talk about that next oh so i don't know how much philosophy mr nix has read but it seems very much this this whole concept is almost astonishingly akin to plotinus's understanding of matter and evil and all of that so in short plotinus who's like a 300s a.d philosopher post jesus has this sort of philosophical system in which there's a hierarchy of being starting with the one who's this sort of all-encompassing principle Mm -hmm. And all of being flows out from the one. Everything that exists is this necessary outpouring mm -hmm. from it. And as you work your way down, the most primal <coughs> thing is matter, which is not what we understand matter to be in the scientific sense today. It means like something that's utterly unformed, without properties, without substance it just doesn't it is pure potential mm. and so we see that analog in the substance of nothing in this book series it is this utterly unformed utterly without any property to it 
other than that it can be formed. Mm. And there's an association in this philosophical system, in this hierarchy, between the one and pure goodness, and then all the way at the bottom, pure matter and evil. So evil is constituted by dissipation, by sort of being unmade. The less mm -hmm. form, the less unity, the less structure a thing has, the more evil it is. So evil, mm. that's where we come up with this doctrine of, um, in the Christian tradition, that evil is the absence of good. That comes mm -hmm. from Plotinus. Sure. Evil occurs through privation of good that ought to have happened. Right. That's precisely it, the privation of good. And so it it's like almost a one-to-one -one analog. And I'd be surprised if Mr. Nix was unaware of that fact when he was yeah, writing this. Yeah, it's a little too close to be mm -hmm. coincidental. But if it is coincidental, it's pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. That he came to similar conclusions. <laughs> yeah, and nothing is like, you know, it's described as being this black, murky, thick, almost oily liquid. So it's like, you know, sort of jumps out at you as being this evil thing that has the potential to become good by being shaped, but it is nothing more than pure potentiality that mm -hmm. consumes and dissipates and deprives of form everything it comes in contact with. So... Mm -hmm. It's sort of it sort of very very much seeks to consume and destroy sort of this en entropic force. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I suppose the different day people also sort of have that mindset of you know destruction and tearing apart in their um, own way. Not so much consciously. <clears throat> mm -hmm. It's just that they are overtaken by their primary vice. Mm -hmm. such that they are i mean vice is equivalent with evil and you know they are unmaking themselves they are dissipating mm -hmm. by their actions so yeah it's it's a very platinian worldview that is built into this magic system character design and everything that's pretty neat um so i guess with that any other cool things you want to discuss before we get into our analysis nope truth what uh truth can we uh, ga uh gather from the keys to the kingdom sin is not a personal reality or not a merely mm. personal reality i should say i mean it is <clears throat> deeply personal but it also ripples outward mm -hmm. yes. because we exist in relation to others and god That's so every our action nature yeah. What what defines our personhood is our relationship to each other. So we can't do something without it affecting another person one way mm -hmm. or the other. Um, mm, 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 how to put this? Yeah. It, evil leads to more evil. Dissipation to more dissipation. Privation to more privation. Mm. You know, it just in every facet of how this book is constructed, it's like all of the things that are evil sort of lend themselves to more destruction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's self-perpetuating. 
Right. You got to have somebody step in and like actively work against the evil to bring any kind of good out of it. Now, in the time of Plotinus, was there any sort of like church fathers or Catholic thought that sort of had a reply from the Christian traditions? Well, perspective? Augustine, Augustine was about 50 years after him. Hmm. And Augustine uses Plotinus pretty extensively. So he does, you know, address some of the the things he talks about. Sure. But a lot of the well-known church fathers were before Plotinus's time or around gotcha. his time. Hmm. That makes sense. Uh, <clears throat> um, let's see what's another element of truth. Uh, I suppose what um, I'm trying to think. There's uh, like some with the with the main character. I'm trying to remember his name. Arthur. 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 Yeah. There's probably some significance to that name choice. Yeah, I mean, given that his it, last name is Penhaligon, mm-hmm. yeah, reminiscent <laughs> of Pendragon, and yep. he inherits a great power. Uh, there goes on some journey. There, there's definitely some a King Arthur stuff there's, we could draw parallels some, to. Some King Arthur if Arthur I was more familiar with it, I could <laughs> goes on a quest to uh, unlock the keys to a powerful force. Um, now there's the will, yes, which. Is an apple in a cage, interestingly enough. The seventh well, piece the, the, of the will. Seventh and final. Is an apple in the cage, yeah. Yes. There's a whole lot of symbolism in the Lord Sunday's domain, which is called the incomparable gardens. To uh-huh, the Garden uh-huh. of Eden. So. Mm-hmm. But you can't compare it to anything. <laughs> but it's incomparable. Mm-hmm. And then uh, opening that cage and receiving the will. You uh, you are enlightened to the true nature of the universe. Enlightened to a level, to to a godlike level. Mm-hmm. You shall become like no. gods. No, as sort it were. of not even just godlike, but you become god. Mm-hmm. In so far mm-hmm. as God is understood in this universe. Yeah, which is a deficient understanding. Right. Mm-hmm. Clear. But that's sort of the point of this book is like if this world existed this way it would sort of be absurd and would kind of suck which in a way is another point in the truth yes, category right like this it's, is a rebuke of like this series is a rebuke of that mindset right nominalist voluntarist metaphysics mm-hmm. especially voluntarist because people would say like it's like it's up to me to become my own god and make the world in my own image and that's sort of what happens with Arthur at the end. Like he remakes the world Though the way he'd like it. Huh? Though unwittingly. Yeah. He had no idea that that was going to be the case until it happened. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But it's just like, yeah, if that was the case, like you people think, it'd be kind of ridiculous and silly. So yeah, the truth doesn't come so much in the form of the story actually being true, but what it exposes about that line of thinking. Being a thought experiment and all. Right. Whether it tried to be or not. Mm-hmm. It's we can... not really clear from... I mean, it's been quite a while since I've read it. And I haven't read it since I really stu- have studied philosophy. So it'll be interesting to to go back and look for more definite signs of that. Mm-hmm. 
do another little deep dive. Um, goodness, what is good in the Keys to the Kingdom? Arthur has a very good support system in all of his friends that he makes along the way. And he just genuinely seeks to understand the struggles of the people of the house and the the circumstances into which they've been thrust by the vices of their guardians. Mm-hmm. So in every book, Arthur participates in some action that like counteracts the vice of the particular domain he's working in. And thus obtains so, the key to their power. Thus obtains the key to virtue. So that's a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, when he goes into the greed realm, he does manual labor to make him appreciate like the value of work and not just senselessly owning things. Yeah, because virtue isn't simply the absence of evil, it's the presence of something good and sort of the right. counteracting. Because if you just have an absence, nature abhors a vacuum, so it's going to get filled with something. If you want it to be a good thing, you've got to put a good thing there. You've got to be more than just not bad. Right. Correct. That's, that's virtue in a nutshell. You know, he participates in labor again in Saturday's thing to sort of give him humility against pride. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. You, you can find things like that in all of the books. So, but Yeah, all of his friends that he meets, his intentionality about, you know, understanding what people are going through, where they find themselves, and sort of being a healing effect to their struggles is mm. all very good. Um, beauty. The world building in this book series is really phenomenal. It's, you know. For something that could be like kind of heady and highfalutin and fantastical, it seems like it does a pretty good job of keeping things coherent and narratively interesting. The narrative is really interesting in the first two and the last two books. And the middle is all kind of isolated, episodic monster so, of the week kind of thing monster of the week kind of thing because we got to get through all the days and the sins so we'll mm-hmm, put some mm-hmm. stuff in there but i was it's just it's fit the, all of the environments are drastically different in each of the places and they are also well crafted and despite being this high variance hodgepodge of things it's all works together so nicely I was going to ask, do they ever go to any of the other non-Earth secondary realms that people keep messing with? Or not really? I can recall. It's possible that they do in like Saturday and Sunday maybe. Sure. But it's been, again, it's been like... But like the house and Earth are the only places where the important things happen? More or less, yeah. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Unity. What um, uh, what draws everything together here? I think it revolves really around the idea of um, the virtue counteracting vice and like wondering at the nature of things. Yeah, that's really the driving force in the book is like seeking towards what's really real and what's really the truth mm-hmm. is what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so the truth is, you know, grounded like the fabric of the uh, well, God is truth, and sort of the fabric of the universe is woven together. So, and there's a lot of unmaking and remaking in the story, and so like truth being foundationals in the Catholic view. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, what's true is that we're grateful for you listening to the Flating Papers. Uh, you can listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Palapapists. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or complaints, or suggestions for future episodes, email us at flatingpapists at gmail.com. Do it. Email us. Yeah, please give us suggestions. Yeah, please we give us suggestions. And refer us to your friends if you think they would like this podcast. So we want to make that uh, one big two. If, yeah. <laughs> so all uh, assuming everything goes according to plan, we will be back again next week. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. See you.